Monday, the 2nd of October, is the Feast of the Guardian Angels. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, answer those who seek you. We pray for those whose work leads them daily into danger. Protect them and grant peace of mind to their loved ones. We pray for those who serve in the military, especially in areas of violence. Protect them and grant peace of mind to their loved ones. We pray for those who live in fear, especially in homes plagued by violence. Protect them and grant peace of mind to their loved ones. O God, you watch over your children with protective love made manifest in the guardian angels. Keep us all from harm through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Guardian angels, pray for us guard us and protect us. Amen. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Monday morning. Hope you had a decent weekend. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis is working on the video feed. Looks like it's live. I think we might be uh, kicking off the week with our video things all working. That's pretty cool for this new thing we launched. You can check out our video stream at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Up this hour... Kevin Schmeising will take a look at this week in Catholic history. Uh, we'll also talk Bible foods with Rita Heikenfeld. More on the Guardian Angels, more on angels in general as well, with Monsignor Brian Bransfield, who's got a brand new book on that very topic. And then we've been talking for uh, a while with Father Patrick Briscoe about the upcoming uh, rosary pilgrimage that the Dominicans have been leading and working on. They uh, did it over the weekend, and we'll get an update, a report back from Father Patrick Briscoe on the National Rosary Pilgrimage. So, stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. After putting forth a bill to avert a government shutdown that Democrats could support, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he is not concerned about Florida Congressman Matt Gates's efforts to oust him as Speaker. McCarthy said on CBS's Face the Nation yesterday, it's a personal issue with Gates. McCarthy noted that Gates was one of the last holdouts during the House vote for Speaker in January. Gates announced yesterday he plans to file a motion to have McCarthy removed as Speaker, making good on threats if a spending bill was passed with Democratic support. A GOP-sponsored 45-day stopgap bill passed in the House on Saturday with overwhelming Democratic support. Pope Francis has asked for special prayers for the people of Armenia in the disputed Artsakh region, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, which has been under siege by Azerbaijani forces. He did so during his Angelus address yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni has more. I renew my call for dialogue between Azerbaijan and Armenia, hoping that the talks between the parties, with the support of the international community, will favor a lasting agreement that will put an end to the humanitarian crisis. A lightning offensive last week led by Azerbaijan in the contested enclave of Nagorno-Karabakh has led to an exodus of Armenian residents in the area, 
after Baku ordered the region's Armenian fighters to disarm and conflicting leaders signed a ceasefire agreement. Armenian authorities said over 100,000 people had arrived in Armenia from the enclave, accounting for more than 80% of the enclave's Armenian population. In December 2022, Azerbaijan blocked the Lachin Corridor, the only road connecting Nagorno-Karabakh with Armenia. Pope Francis also said he is praying for the victims of a tragic blast on the 25th of September in the city of Stepanakert that caused at least 170 deaths and many wounded. People who have been taken to hospitals that are struggling to treat them after the blockade in December left them with severe shortages of medical supplies. It is not yet clear what caused the explosion. I'm Linda Bordoni. Pope Francis on Saturday presided over a consistory to create new cardinals. The 21 new cardinals came from all over the world, among them American-born Cardinal Robert Prevost, who heads up the Dicastery for Bishops, as well as the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States currently, Cardinal Christophe Pierre. This all coming ahead of the opening of the Synod Assembly for the Synod of Synodality on the Feast of St. Francis on Wednesday. Two parts of North Carolina's new abortion law are being blocked. A federal judge granted injunctions on two provisions on Saturday, which kept them from going into effect yesterday. One referenced a part of the law which required doctors to confirm the presence of an unborn child in the uterus before abortion medication could be prescribed. Another provision was that was blocked required abortions under certain conditions like rape, to be completed in hospitals. General Motors has laid off more than 160 union workers at two plants in Ohio as the United Auto Workers strike continues to grow. Mark Mayfield has more. GM laid off 130 workers at its Parma Metal Center just outside Cleveland and another 34 at its Marion Metal Center an hour north of Columbus. GM said in a statement that beginning today, a portion of the two plants won't have any work available and that the laid-off workers aren't expected to return until the strike is over. The layoffs come as the UAW expands its strike to more plants. I'm Mark Mayfield. More than 75,000 Kaiser Permanente workers, meanwhile, are getting to go on what would be the biggest health care strike in U.S. history. Unions representing the workers notified the company more than a week ago that they could launch a three-day strike this coming Wednesday, October 4th. The strike would affect Kaiser hospitals and clinics in California, Oregon, Washington State, Colorado, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. And the field is now set for the Major League Baseball playoffs. The action begins tomorrow when eight teams take the diamond for the best of three wild card round. In the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays will host the Texas Rangers, while the Toronto Blue Jays travel to take on the Minnesota Twins. On the National League side, the Milwaukee Brewers will welcome the Arizona Diamondbacks to town, while the Miami Marlins visit the Philadelphia Phillies. The four teams to earn a first-round bye into the Divisional Series, which begin on Saturday were the Atlanta Braves, the Baltimore Orioles, the Houston Astros, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. So wait, there's not a baseball game today? No. Starts tomorrow. So it didn't matter then? Or I guess, so if the Marlins are in, it must not have mattered. Yeah, it didn't matter. 
we didn't need to play the because last like Because they suspended like, that third. Marlins Mets game with an inning in the third left to play. Now I heard somebody say something, and I don't know if I misheard it because I was you know going to church and hanging out with my family yesterday, mm-hmm. so I didn't get to watch much television or right. sports talking heads or church talking heads for that matter either, which is actually kind of a relief. Yeah. But you did watch the Bengals though, didn't you? No, I don't get you them didn't. in my market. Oh, They're out of market for well, me. Well, thank God for which you. Which is a mercy. Okay. Yeah. But Go on. Uh, I heard that if it got really bad when the Mets and Marlins thing was set and they didn't have if they didn't have time to play it, they would default not to the score when the game was suspended, but the score at the end of the last completed <gasps> inning. Which would have been really? the Marlins would have meant the Marlins would have lost. Do they have now, gotta, rules in the rule book for that kind of thing? So I don't know because it's a weird thing because it's yeah. the end of the season. It's not like you can make up that game because the playoffs start tomorrow. Right. But imagine that. Imagine you were the Marlins. You came back, but it was the top of the ninth inning, and that's when you grabbed the lead. But because the they last completed inning out. was the eighth where the Mets were up one nothing, They would have figured it out. They would have moved the game. Who are the Marlins playing? They're playing uh, Phillies, I think. the Phillies. So they would have figured out a way to play a game somewhere. Cl- well, Philadelphia and New York aren't that far away. No, they would have played bad. it at like nine in the morning, figured it out. And then whoever needed to travel to Philly would travel to Philly for that evening. That's what they would have done. That's my guess. Okay. By the way, you got the memo on the uh, army green today. Is that uh, is that what we're supposed to be wearing? We are wearing the same outfit. <laughs> Look at us. Who ever thought we'd be here? Matt. Well, I'm like... I. Uh, but you wear this kind of stuff all the time. You are all like muted fall colors. I know, but it like I've been spring. wearing a blue jacket, and my family was like, "Anna, you got to switch up the jacket." You got to switch it up. And I was like, okay, I'm going to wear my green jacket today. And then you wear the same shirt. Do Marlins have like a seaweed City Connect uniform? Ooh, that would be neat. No, I don't don't think so. I don't know. Well, we're glad that you're along either way. If you're picking out an outfit, it's it's Army Green Day. Army Green Day. It's Army Green today. It's 10 minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. Kevin Schmeising is the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Let's head to Pennsylvania for our first bit. Yes, the consecration of the Basilica of St. Michael in that state this week in 1901. Loretto, Pennsylvania is in the heart of a strongly Catholic enclave in West Central Pennsylvania. That's in large part a legacy of an extraordinary priest servant of God, Demetrius Galitzin. We've talked about him before, Matt. A Russian prince turned Catholic priest. He devoted his life to missionary work in the early 1800s in what was then the sparsely populated wilderness of Pennsylvania. Galitzin founded the town of Loretto. He named it after the famous village in Italy that is home to the shrine of Mary's house. An Irish Catholic military officer and veteran of the revolution donated the land for a Catholic church. So Galitzin dedicated the new parish to the, to the donor's patron saint, Michael the Archangel. The first church of St. Michael was a log cabin, the second in 1817 was a wood frame, and the third built in 1854 was brick. The final iteration, that's the one you'll see today, was constructed at the turn of the 20th century, long after Galitzin's death in 1840. And here we need to introduce another character into the story, Charles Schwab. Many listeners will be familiar with that name from the financial investment firm, but Charles Schwab was a real person, a boy born and raised as a Catholic in Loretto. 
Schwab attended St. Francis University, which is still there, and then went to work as an engineer for Andrew Carnegie's Steel Company, which would become one of the behemoths of American industry, U.S. Steel. Schwab made a fortune at U.S. Steel and Bethlehem Steel. He dedicated himself more to his work than to his faith, but he never forgot his roots entirely, and he was very generous to the town of Loretto and to Catholic institutions in particular. One of these was the new Church of St. Michael, an impressive sandstone structure. Schwab paid the entire cost of $150,000. I used an online inflation calculator, Matt, and that tells yeah. me that the equivalent <laughs> today is more than $5 million. Wow. So the, the new church was consecrated this week, October 2nd, 1901. It was designated a basilica in 1996. Outside the church, if you visit today, you can find the grave of Demetrius Galitzin. There's a statue on top of it that was donated by who else? Charles Schwab. And he's also buried on the grounds of the Basilica of St. Michael the Archangel, consecrated this week in 1901. Well, I mean, if you look at something that you bought for $150,000 that's worth $5 million, I would say that's good investing. But <laughs> yeah. uh, let's talk about Paul VI because he hit a milestone this week as well. Paul VI was the first pope to address the United Nations, and that was this week in 1965. Pope Francis did it in 2015, Benedict in 2008, John Paul II did it twice, but Paul VI was the first one this week in 1965. There's, of course, a very long history of papal involvement in international affairs. We've dealt with countless instances over the years, Matt, on this segment. As the papacy continued to rise in importance during the Middle Ages, it built up a considerable diplomatic corps. The Vatican Secretariat of State was formally established in the 15th century, and it's widely regarded as the most influential of the curial offices. When the League of Nations was founded in the wake of the First World War, there was talk of the Holy See becoming a member. That never happened in part because the Roman question, the Vatican's place in the new nation of Italy, had not yet been resolved. World War II spurred another attempt at international cooperation. The United Nations was formed at that time. There was again talk of the Holy See joining. But as you might expect, some nations were opposed to that. So a compromise was agreed to which still persists today, the Holy See would not be a full member with voting rights, but instead a permanent observer with the right to attend and participate in UN sessions. That status was granted in 1964, and the following year, this week, October 4th, 1965, Pope Paul VI addressed the dignitaries of the United Nations at its headquarters in New York. Paul endorsed the ideal of the UN, focusing on its aim of ensuring lasting peace, but he also emphasized the spiritual dimension of the problem of war, the edifice you are building does not rest on purely material and terrestrial foundations, he said. It rests most of all upon consciences, for the danger comes neither from progress nor from science. The real danger comes from man, who has at his disposal ever more powerful instruments that are as well fitted to bring about ruin as they are to achieve lofty conquests. That's Pope Paul VI speaking at the UN this week in 1965. Man, he could have said that yesterday. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, powerful and prophetic words worthy of reflection on This Week in Catholic History. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got your book as well as the Catholic History Trek podcast linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks as always. Have a great day. Thanks a lot, Matt. You too. All right, quick look at the weather for the nation. Strong to severe thunderstorms in the afternoon for portions of southern Colorado, eastern New Mexico, and west Texas. Damaging winds and large hail will be the primary threats, possibly a tornado or two, uh, maybe even in southeastern New Mexico. So please do take precautions if you're in that area. In the central to northern plains, severe weather also at play with this cold front. Showers and strong thunderstorms with damaging winds and small hail possible east of the I-25 corridor. Behind the front... 
Uh, rainy conditions uh, expected from the Great Basin and Pacific Northwest. Higher elevations could see mixed rain and snow. Dry and quiet for the desert southwest and the California coastline. Sea breeze showers and thunderstorms possible in the afternoon to evening for the Gulf Coast. The rest of the U.S. looks like it's going to have a quiet fall day. Back with headlines right after this. It's 16 minutes past the hour. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. Have you ever wished you could listen to EWTN on a local radio station? Maybe our Lord is speaking to your heart to help make that happen. Don't let a lack of experience hold you back. Find out how you can help start a Catholic radio station where you live. Powered by the truth of the church and EWTN's dynamic radio programming. Email Steve at this address, radio at EWTN.com. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. After putting forth a bill to avert a government shutdown that Democrats could support, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he's not concerned about efforts to oust him as Speaker. Pope Francis asked for special prayers for the people of Armenia in the disputed Artsakh region, which has been under siege by Azerbaijani forces. And the Holy Father on Saturday presided over a consistory to create 21 new cardinals. Anna Mitchell, lots of church news going on. Uh, Yeah. Lots of people freaking out, asking questions, being very intense. And, you know, I just... It's hard for me to keep track of all this stuff, especially if I wanted to spend a Saturday or a Sunday with my family. And, you know, you wake up and you're like, oh, there's only five million pages to read to catch up. Uh, but I would just <laughs> want to say for everybody, I, you know, don't have too much fear of missing out. Don't uh, don't get too flustered by it. The church is the church. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Uh, pray and fast. Um, and, you know, I think I understand these things by way of analogy, Anna Mitchell. Mm-hmm. You know how the HOA, well, you're not in an HOA, I don't think. No, I'm not. Um, but Your neighborhood's too old. That's the Homeowners, homeowners Association. Association. Yeah. Sometimes they'll send out a survey, and you want to fill it out, but life gets in the way, and it turns out the only person who actually filled it out is your most intensely opinionated neighbor, and people kind of just let them talk because they're afraid of making that person mad. 
and you probably had some ideas you want to contribute to the conversation, but now um, that person's got the microphone. And you don't really want to say anything because you don't want to stir the stir the pot. And a couple of your neighbors, it turns out, also had some opinions, but they were kind of in the same situation you were. They were very busy, and they don't want to make this really intense and opinionated per- person angry. Uh, but then you start having more conversations. You realize that actually most of your neighborhood's normal, and turns out that the only person who's like having a weird day is the person who somehow managed to have time to respond Can to that poll. Can I add poll. to that? Like the yes. most enjoyable part of that metaphor is that it's not a great metaphor because we actually have the truth, yes. and therefore opinion is not really of importance in these matters because there is the truth and we receive the truth from our lord i say i mean it's a great it's a great metaphor in one way but a terrible metaphor in another (laughs) all analogies limp all i'm saying is just pray pray and we'll be all right Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at SunriseMorningShow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. A prayer for vocations by our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II. Lord Jesus, as you once called the first disciples to make them fishers of men, let your sweet invitation continue to resound. Give young men and women the grace of responding quickly to your voice. Support our bishops, priests, and consecrated people in their apostolic labor. Grant perseverance to our seminarians and to all those who are carrying out the ideal of a life totally consecrated to your service. Lord, send workers to your harvest and do not allow humanity to be lost for the lack of pastors, missionaries, and people dedicated to the cause of the gospel. Mary, Mother of the Church, help us to say yes to the Lord who calls us to cooperate in the divine plan of salvation. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman. It is time for Bible News, and it's always great to catch up with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com, who's got great insights into what foods are mentioned in the Bible and great ideas for simple, straightforward recipes you can actually make for you and your family. Rita, good morning. Good morning, and when we talk about this recipe... Like I tell you a lot of times, I want your take on it, because I have a feeling you've got some opinions. Oh, I've cheated ahead to look at your recipe, <laughs> and I've got some opinions. So uh, we're talking about beef today, mm-hmm. and beef we eat all the time here in the United States of America. You would not have eaten it as often in Bible times, right? No, um, and it's interesting as far as where it's, it's mentioned, um, Proverbs. 
I love this one. Better it is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted ox and hatred with it. Sort of like it's always not just about the food, but who shares it with you. And then in Luke, uh, that very familiar passage about the prodigal son when he returned home being led, um, being fed a fatted calf. And, you know, um, when you think of it, was it a common food? Not really, because cows and oxen back then, Matt, were used basically for, like work, uh, work animals, plowing fields. Yeah, it'd be like eating the employees. That'd be yeah, no good. exactly. Yeah, they were just considered too valuable by most folks just to be used for meat, on, especially on an everyday basis. Um, they were uh, common, most likely, but again, not eaten as such. But then on special occasions, like if you had somebody come to your house, um, sometimes holidays, receptions, what they called um, a fatted calf, like mentioned in Proverbs up there. It was specially cared for and fattened, and that was taken from the herd to be butchered and roasted, just a special calf. And I think uh, probably the most famous example of the fatted calf being killed is when we hear the story of the prodigal son, right? Where the son runs off and is, you know, hanging out, eating pods that the pigs don't eat, and then finally comes back and, you know, asks for forgiveness. And the father does just that, right? He kills the fatted calf. Uh, but what about the uh, the animals that were sacrificed? Because these cows, cattle were involved in this too. Oh, yeah. And we need to remember that, that most of the cattle wasn't penned and fed grain, which was back then considered a human food. Um, so the fatted calf, which was probably fed grain from my research, really was considered a luxury meat. Um, and, and what they did, they liked the calf, what we call veal, because it was smaller. So it wasn't only more manageable to cook, Matt, but there, was us- there were usually enough people um, present to eat all the meat, so there was no waste. Remember, there was no refrigeration. So that's why um, they used the calf rather than the, the older um, animal. Right, because you and... You and Frank can go to a local farm and say, we want a side of beef, and that'll last you the winter, right? Oh, you couldn't sure. exactly do that back then because there's no—it's not like you could throw it in a deep freezer for sure. Uh, and then, of course, this would not be something that uh, would be common people food anyway, right? Because for you to have that fatted calf and something to spare, you'd probably be on the wealthy side. Yeah, um, and back then, too, some animals were provided, as I said, for public feasts, and they were sacrificed to God. And then, um, I don't know how many people know this, but the blood of the animal was poured out before God, and that was a way of making up for their sins. And so the meat was considered consecrated, actually, and then the guests were then considered to be eating divine food. So not just like you said, going to the restaurant and eating a steak. Right. So very special, and of course we see all kinds of references to this throughout the scriptures. But how would they have uh, eaten it? In terms of, you know, the cooking, because I don't think that they probably had, you know, a a Weber grill in the back either. No, but you know what? They may do. They uh, spit roasted it over an open fire, sort of like people are doing today, going back to those ancient ways of cooking. Sometimes they boiled it in cauldrons, um, and sometimes they cooked it with water uh, to sort of make like a soup or a stew. And then um, if if it was a stew, that was considered good enough to be uh, served to honor death. All right, so I want to know about your campfire hobo dinners in a packet because this is perfect camping season, the fall. Uh, I don't like camping in the summer as much because it's too hot. I like Mm -hmm. it when I can throw on a polar fleece, sit in front of a fire, put something in a foil packet, and just sit there and watch it cook. 
well, this is your dinner then. This is, um, it's a, a sort of a two-parter. First of all, we're going to do some burgers. And I like to use lean ground beef and then put a little olive oil in the beef um, if it's very lean so that it grills well. And then sometimes I'll add some, get this, some powdered ranch dressing or, you know, like just the dried Italian seasoning to it. And then a shake or two of the Canadian steak seasoning. Um, so you mix that up, the beef, a little olive oil, the seasonings. And then if I have any parsley, I'll throw that in just for color. Um, and so I just mix all that up and, and make burgers. And when I make the burgers, I'll poke a hole in the center. And you want to tell everybody why we do that? Yes, that's because your burgers don't come out looking like meatballs if you grill, if you do, <laughs> if you grill them that way by putting the, the thumbprint in the middle. I've been using that trick since you told it to me like 15 years ago. I know, I know. An oldie but a goodie. Anyway, and um, so you've got that mixture and then you're going to have some cheese. And then what you're going to do, you're going to take some foil um, and put a, a nice slice of onion on it. And then I usually dice up some potatoes and mushrooms um, really fine. And then I'll, again, add a little olive oil and, and some steak seasoning to that. And then I'll have the uh, onion on the bottom, the burger on the top, and the potato-mushroom mixture. And then I'll um, foil those up. And right before uh, we eat them, when we take them off the grill, I'll put a slice of cheese on so it melts really quick. And you can vary the toppings, whatever you like, but it's a wonderful um, campfire or grill dinner for fall. So you know how I was thinking. You were talking about Canadian steak seasoning and all mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. I was still thinking North America, but as I was looking at this, I was like, you know, you could swap out a little chili powder and a squeeze of lime in there and do Mexican hobo sounds, dinner in a packet. That sounds that sounds like the next Maybe meal for me. Poblano pepper in there. Ah, this, there's endless possibilities, Rita, mm -hmm. based on the way you've set this up. But we've got the recipe linked in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. It'll take you right over to abouteating.com. Rita Heikenfeld, have a great day. I will, and I'll talk to you next week, Matt. All right, thank you so much. Find Rita linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. After putting forth a bill to avert a government shutdown over the weekend that Democrats could support, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he is not concerned about efforts to oust him as Speaker. McCarthy was speaking on CBS's Face the Nation yesterday, saying it's a personal issue with Congressman Matt Gates. McCarthy noted that Gates was one of the last holdouts during the House vote for Speaker in January, Gates announced yesterday that he plans to file a motion to have McCarthy removed as speaker, making good on threats if a spending bill was passed with Democratic support. A GOP-sponsored 45-day stopgap bill passed in the House on Saturday with overwhelming Democratic support. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address yesterday, asked for special prayers for the people of Armenia in the disputed Artsakh region, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, which has been under siege by Azerbaijani forces. Vatican News reports the Holy Father appealed for dialogue between the two. More than 100,000 people have fled Artsakh after an explosion near the de facto capital of the region that killed at least 170 people. Pope Francis said, quote, I renew my call for dialogue between Azerbaijan and Armenia, hoping that the talks between the parties with the support of the international community will favor a lasting agreement that will put an end to the humanitarian crisis, end quote. Also during his Angelus address, the Holy Father invited the faithful 
to pray the rosary in this month dedicated to the Holy Rosary for a number of other intentions. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. Noting that October is the month of the Rosary and of missions, the Pope said, I urge everyone to experience the beauty of praying the Rosary. Esorto tutti a sperimentare la bellezza della preghiera del Rosario. Contemplating with Mary the mysteries of Christ and invoking her intercession for the needs of the Church and the world. He also turned his thoughts to the Synod on Synodality that will begin on Wednesday the 4th of October and said, let us also pray for the Synod of Bishops, which this month will hold its first assembly on the theme of the Church's Synodality. And joined at his balcony by five children, Pope Francis said that on the afternoon of the 6th of November, he will meet with children across the globe. The Pope said the event is promoted and organised by the Dicastery for Culture and Education. And he explained it will be an occasion in which to reflect on a common dream as its focus is on the theme, let's learn from boys and girls. It's a theme, he said, that illustrates the desire to go back to having pure childlike feelings, because the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like little children. Children, Pope Francis said, teach us the pureness of relationships and the spontaneous acceptance of the stranger, as well as respect for all creation. Dear children, I too am waiting for you all to learn from you. I'm Linda Bordoni. Pope Francis on Saturday presided over a consistory to create new cardinals. The 21 new cardinals came from all over the world, among them American-born Cardinal Robert Prevost, who heads up the Dicastery for Bishops, as well as the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, Cardinal Christophe Pierre. The U.S. Supreme Court's new term begins today. Major cases on the court's docket include those involving gun rights, the power of federal agencies, social media regulation, and electoral districts drawn by Republican state lawmakers. The justices are also considering taking up a dispute over access to the abortion drug Mifepristone. California Governor Gavin Newsom is expected to appoint pro-abortion Emily's List President LaFonza Butler to fill the seat of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein. Mark Mayfield reports. According to Politico, the appointment will come Monday, and Newsom is making his appointment without putting limitations or preconditions on Butler running for the seat next year. The longest-serving female U.S. Senator Feinstein died Thursday at the age of 90. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Archdiocese of Baltimore is filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The filing comes in response to a new law that went into effect yesterday in Maryland, which lifts the statute of limitations for civil lawsuits related to child sexual abuse. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. One of the greatest proofs of love that Jesus displayed on the cross was putting up with the imperfections of his neighbor. He even showed his love for those who put him to death. In those dire moments, the Savior expressed thoughts of love even for his executioners, pardoning them in the very act of sinning. How petty-minded we are, when we cannot bring ourselves to forget some injury received, even after a long time. Whoever sincerely pardons another, calls down abundant blessings, and perfectly imitates Christ. The lives of the saints are nothing but the gospel put into practice. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong. Welcome to the Sunrise Morning Show, Monsignor Brian Bransfield. He's got a book called Angels Are Guardians in Spiritual Battle. Monsignor Bransfield, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be with you and your listeners. It is so good to have you, and I am so excited about this book and, and get to ask you a few questions about the angels. Of course, the end of September and early October, they're very much on our minds with the feasts of the archangels on September 29th and and the uh, guardian angels on um, October 2nd. So first of all, Monsignor, just give us an overview of how you tackle the topic of angels in this book. Well, thank you. Well, as I wrote Angels Are Guardians in Spiritual Battle, I wanted to make it user-friendly for the, the average Catholic, and maybe the unaverage Catholic, Catholic doesn't know much theology, someone that can really get to know angels as our friends. St. Gregory the Great says, nearly every page of Scripture, the angels are there. Wow. Their angels are present all throughout Scripture. Sometimes they become visibly present in Scripture, but they're more often invisibly present. So what I wanted to do was make it easier for us to discern the presence of the angels right next to us, even if they're not visibly present, but invisibly present. So my goal was to look at what angels do, who they are, how God creates them, the fallen angels, Lucifer and the demons, but then also to look at the good and holy angels and how much they do for us, especially with Christ and Our Lady, and how the plan of salvation, the plan of God's providence, angels are our allies in the spiritual life. They're our good friends. Well, Monsignor Bransfield, you write in the book about how neither the good nor the bad angels would want a book written about them. Why is that? Well, because the good angels, the good and holy angels, are humble, and they avoid the spotlight. They shun the worldly spotlight. They want to reflect the mystery of Christ, the Son of God, and and the mysteries of Our Lady leading to Christ. So they do it out of humility, the good and holy angels. The evil angels don't want a book about them because they they want to ambush us. They don't want us to know their ways or their deceit or 
how they insinuate themselves. So the evil angels want it out of pride that they want to attack us, and, and they don't want us knowing what their battle plans are. So how do the good angels serve as as guardians for us against the, the snares of the devil? That's a wonderful question. The good angels, as I point out in Angels Are Guardians in Spiritual Battle, that the good and holy angels walk with us. They're the ones who, through our reading of Scripture, through our devotion to Our Lady, through our going to adoration, through our going to confession, they're always prompting us to do that. The good angels are always leading us to see the mystery of Jesus as our protector, Our Lady as our intercessor. So they work with us, especially when we're feeling lonely, tired, bored, hurt, when we feel left out, left behind, depressed or anxious. The good angels don't go away. They want to be with us and help us. So they work very closely with us. Can you talk about the uh, angels that show up particularly in the book of Job and, and what we learn from that story? Certainly, the you know, the book of Job begins where God is in the the Old Testament, where the angels are actually having a meeting with God, and they come together, and God is talking to the good angels, and then this other one comes, uh, another one that Satan comes, the fallen angel, and he comes so as to disrupt, to interject, to destroy. And God says to Satan, uh, where do you come from? And in that, in the Hebrew, God is reminding Satan that Satan comes from a nothingness of sin. Mm. He, he comes from evil. And then God says, have you noticed my servant Job? And Satan lies. When Satan can't get what he wants and he, and he can't ever, he lies. So he always lies. And he says, well, Job is only holy because of the good things you've done for him. Mm. And then Satan attacks Job, but Job stays close to God because of the good and holy angels who come to Job even when he's hurting, even when he's feeling uh, cast down, when he feels hurt, and the good angels do the same for us. Well, another famous place where angels show up, of course, are in the Gospel. We have the Archangel Gabriel showing up to the Blessed Virgin Mary to announce the Incarnation. We also have angels showing up to minister to our Lord in the agony of the Garden. I mean, that's their whole purpose, right? To serve the Lord? Exactly. The angels are enthralled at the humility of God, Mm. and especially the Son of God who took flesh, born of the Virgin. And so the angels, the good and holy angels, adore God, and they reflect the light of his glory to us. And so they go to him after the temptation in the wilderness. They minister to him. And then, as you mentioned so well, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where they are there, and they would love to intervene to defend the Lord. And at one glance from our Lord, they would. But in his humility, he stays the angels. And they are absorbed and by the tremendous humility of the Son of God, who allows himself to be vulnerable for us and for our salvation. Can you talk about the angels that guard the tree of life? Yes. The the angel with the flaming sword is one of the earliest accounts of an angel in Scripture, where after Adam and Eve fall, 
and they're cast out of the garden, God places an angel with a flaming sword, a cherubim with a flaming sword. It's a dancing light of sword. It's similar to the light that danced around St. Paul, the dazzling light. And it's there to guard the tree of life, not necessarily as a, as a stringent punishment, but as a protection. Because if man in sin, after he had fallen, stretched out his hand to the tree of life, then he would live forever in a fallen way. So what God does, he protects us so that we don't reach out for that, and Christ himself will ascend the tree on the cross and open for us a new way to the tree of life, namely by joining in him through the sacramental ministry of the Church, through confession, through Holy Communion, through devotion to Our Lady, through adhering to the person of Christ, so he redeems us. Uh, Death loses its sting. Death loses its penal, its punishment character, and he opens the way to new life. And the angel, the angel's sword guards us from doing anything that would make that state of sin permanent, but also lights us so we see Christ, the true tree of life on the cross. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Monsignor Brian Bransfield. The book is called Angels Are Guardians in Spiritual Battle. It's from our Sunday visitor, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Yes, we've got the angels on our side, and we've got Our Lady on our side as well. And we're going to be talking about that with Father Patrick Briscoe coming up next. Stay with us. It's Quarter Till. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. Hi, this is Deacon Dennis Lambert from the Diocese of Phoenix. When we listen to Catholic Radio, we receive encouragement, strength, and most importantly, we receive the truth. Simply put, we need Catholic Radio because we are and we become that which we surround ourselves with. So I encourage you to tune in, inspire up, and to wrap yourselves in the warm arms of faith, life, and love. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, Scott Hahn will be here. Join us, Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 
Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 13 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Patrick Briscoe. He is the editor of our Sunday Visitor. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on. It is good to have you back. And uh, listeners had been hearing spots promoting this for quite a few weeks here on the Sunrise Morning Show, and it has finally happened. You and your Dominican confreres held the rosary pilgrimage in Washington, D.C. to uh, kick off this month of the Holy Rosary. Remind us, first of all, why you wanted to do this. Yeah, that's right. So this was the first National Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, the first National Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, and it was an amazing event. And the re- the reason we wanted to do it is very simple. We thought it was important that we gathered a, a, a huge number of people to just simply pray, to pray for the country, to pray for the Church, and to do that through the intercession of, of the Virgin Mary. Right, Our Lady has made many promises concerning the rosary. One of the ones that I love the most is that anyone who promotes the rosary shall be saved. So I, so I think of this one often. It's but nice uh, but we, yeah. know, we know that as her sons and daughters, she will hear and she will answer our prayers. So it was, it was really running to, running to Mama Mary in confidence, mm. you know, expecting, expecting her to hear us in, in a moment where a lot of people are, are, are feeling... Um, Feeling, feeling tumult, feeling tossed about, feeling, feeling, feeling chaos, um, and it was an extraordinary, extraordinary, extraordinary day. Oh, I believe it. I uh, saw in the Dominican parish uh, email announcements this weekend that there was a contingent from here in Cincinnati that uh, traveled to Washington D.C. to be a part of it, and so I suspect that there were many people from all over the country making this pilgrimage to the National Basilica, what kind of turnout did you get? There were indeed. So we there were more than 3,000 people there for the closing mass, wow. uh, which means, you know, ma- ma- many more throughout the day because the the, uh, the events took place throughout the entire day. So people were coming and going. And people traveled from all over the country. There was a family that brought their four children from Alaska. Whoa. There's a young man who's converting to the Catholic faith. The first Catholic building he ever entered was the Dominican House of Studies to meet with one of our priests. Uh, He drove from California to make the the pilgrimage out of gratitude for the grace of his conversion. Uh, There was was a young couple I met, uh, amazing, dynamic, really wonderful people, who came from Puerto Rico just for the pilgrimage. They have been to Washington. Uh, there was a man, and this story is amazing, um, and, and, uh, and this guy was really an incredible person, who walked, a young man walked, from Providence, Rhode Island. What? And, and arrived in Washington, D.C. on the day really? of the pilgrimage. Wow. <laughs> so pe- people came from all over, and it was uh, it was really an amazing sign of, of their love, not just for the order, um, you know, OP Palooza is a kind of fun event, but that's, that's not what was going on here. This this was an event for Our Lady. This was an event for the Rosary at our nation's premier Marian Shrine, the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington D.C. Yeah, rosarypilgrimage.org is where listeners can go um, and actually see a replay of it all. I started. You know, I hit play this morning, Father, 
I was like, oh my gosh, this is like an eight hour video here. Yeah. So um, what all did you do throughout the course of the day? Well, the the first part of the pilgrimage, and this is a, this is a beautiful part of part of the story, began actually off the live stream because on Friday night we had a prayer vigil. Um, we were joined by 150 young people at the St. John Paul II National Shrine, oh. where we did a holy hour and had a talk and then and then a reception. And um, so the, so the the first the the first National Dominican Rosary pilgrimage began with 150 young people on their knees in front of our Eucharistic Lord. It's not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. So that's where we started, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then uh, on Saturday's events, which, like you, you pointed out, was, were the whole of the day. Um, our hosts of the Basilica were extremely generous and hospitable, um, and, and were, were just fabulous partners in, in this marvelous pilgrimage. That, throughout the day, we had several conferences. My classmate, Father Gregory Pine, preached. Mm. Um, our bishops, of course, have called for a Eucharistic revival, so we had three hours of Eucharistic adoration in the middle of the day. Um, and during that time, Dominican friars were also available for confessions. That period involved one of the best stories of the weekend. So we had based um, confessor availability off of previous uh, pilgrimages that have taken place at the shrine. Oh boy. And we had set up um, eight, eight confession stations. So over the course of three hours, there would be 24 confessors available. Okay, what ended up happening was that confessions were so mobbed, we had to send out the massive SOS. And at one point in time, there were 24 confessors hearing wow. at, at the same time, you know, so not spread out over the three hours, but 24 just going at once. Uh, so so uh, many more than 24 of my brothers stepped up to hear just a massive number of confessions. And as I said on Saturday, uh, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is that uh, the rosary pilgrimage is full of sinners. <laughs> and the good <laughs> news is the good, that God's mercy is great. <laughs> okay, so you were serving as the presider over all of this, um, at least during the live stream portion. I mean, what was going through your heart and mind as all of this was playing out, Father? Yeah, it was a, a massive privilege, you know, and so it's something that I that I really appreciated to be able to collaborate with so many of my brothers and to serve, as you're pointing out, as, a, as something of the MC for the day. I, I would say my favorite moment was at the end of the praying of the rosary, which was a, extremely beautiful, which took, mm. we should talk a little bit more about the form that that took, but um, I looked out, and I saw 80, 90 of my Dominican brothers just stretched out two by two, basically all the way down that main aisle of the, the National Shrine. Wow. And I, I felt hope wow. in a way that I haven't known it for some time. I was just so buoyed by, by the sight of my brothers coming together with so many of our friends, many of the Dominican ladies, so many Dominican sisters, uh, so, so many of our parishioners and, and people who love the order. And it was an extraordinary sight. It's incredible. Well, tell us more about the the end of this rosary. Well, the rosary was the rosary was was amazing. It it included a novel composition, so there was singing that took place among the faithful. Uh, there was a procession that moved around the assembly, uh, something like the Stations of the Cross. The people who were praying the rosary you know, the assembly was sitting through the decade, but then they, then they would stand and sing the Gloria Patri. And I, I think that the, that combination of music and movement, which is a fundamentally 
Dominican mode of prayer, mm -hmm. to be involving the body in that way, to be speaking, to be singing, very, very Dominican mode of prayer. I, I think that helps people to meditate on the mysteries and to engage the rosary in a, in, in a way that they hadn't before. Um, so, it, so it was a, a, a very beautiful, very moving presentation of the rosary. Well, Father Patrick Briscoe, it's been just wonderful to hear more about it, and I'm I'm so overjoyed by the success of this event, which, of course, we give all glory to, to God and Our Lady for that. But if uh, people missed it, they can still watch it, correct? Absolutely. That's right. Tune in. And, and like you said, the, the video, the live stream is, is quite long, so kind of click around in and to find the find the different portions of the day to listen to Father Gregory Pike's talks. To no, pray the just rosary listen, watch all eight form. hours of it. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a great way to spend the day. Spend a day in hope. Yeah, but anyway, rosarypilgrimage.org is where you can go and click around or watch all eight hours straight through. And Father Patrick, really appreciate your time this morning recapping it for us. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Anna. You bet. All right. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The Sunrise Morning Show. It is Monday, the 2nd of October. It is the Feast of the Guardian Angels. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Colic from Mass. Happy Feast of the Guardian Angels. O God, who in your unfathomable providence are pleased to send your holy angels to guard us, hear our supplication as we cry to you that we may always be defended by their protection and rejoice eternally in their company. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are along here as we start off a work week. Start off the month of October. Uh, I blinked and October started yesterday, but here we are. And uh, we are ready to rock, ready to help you out. Teresa Tamio is going to be with us. She's been in Italy doing some preparations and planning to uh, help pilgrims. We'll catch up with her this morning. Brendan Hodge from The Pillar will get us a bit of a refresher on what the Synod on Synodality is, and uh, what you need to know about it. There's a lot of stuff going around that you probably don't need to know about it, and there's a lot of confusing things out there. It's probably best to talk to Brendan about this. He works with the Pillar. They are trying to keep track of this and, and give you something of a ba balanced and measured take. So we'll be good to talk to Brendan. Adam Wright will join us from Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. We threw out a gentleman's wager last weekend involving the last baseball series of the year between the Reds and the Cardinals. I've got uh, I've got to talk to Adam about fulfilling my obligations to him. 
that's all I'm going to say about that for now. Stephanie Mann along as well also to talk about Confessor George Gilbert and the Catholic Association in our English Catholic history segment that we do with Stephanie. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. After putting forth a bill to avert a government shutdown that Democrats could support, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he is not concerned about Florida Congressman Matt Gates's efforts to oust him as Speaker. McCarthy said on CBS's Face the Nation that it's a personal issue with Gates, noting that he was one of the last holdouts during the House vote for Speaker back in January. Gates announced Sunday that he plans to file a motion to have McCarthy removed as Speaker, making good on threats if a spending bill was passed with Democratic support. A GOP-sponsored 45-day stopgap bill passed in the House on Saturday with overwhelming Democratic support. Pope Francis asked for special prayers during his Angelus address yesterday for the people of Armenia in the disputed Artsakh region, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, which has been under siege by Azerbaijani forces. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. I renew my call for dialogue between Azerbaijan and Armenia, hoping that the talks between the parties, with the support of the international community, will favor a lasting agreement that will put an end to the humanitarian crisis. A lightning offensive last week led by Azerbaijan in the contested enclave of Nagorno-Karabakh has led to an exodus of Armenian residents in the area after Baku ordered the region's Armenian fighters to disarm and conflicting leaders signed a ceasefire agreement. Armenian authorities said over 100,000 people had arrived in Armenia from the enclave, accounting for more than 80% of the enclave's Armenian population. In December 2022, Azerbaijan blocked the Lachin Corridor, the only road connecting Nagorno-Karabakh with Armenia. Pope Francis also said he is praying for the victims of a tragic blast on the 25th of September in the city of Stepanakert that caused at least 170 deaths and many wounded. People who have been taken to hospitals that are struggling to treat them after the blockade in December left them with severe shortages of medical supplies. It is not yet clear what caused the explosion. I'm Linda Bordoni. Pope Francis on Saturday presided over a consistory to create new cardinals. The 21 new cardinals came from all over the world, among them American-born Cardinal Robert Prevost, who heads up the Dicastery for Bishops, as well as the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, Cardinal Christophe Pierre. This coming ahead of the opening of the Synod Assembly on the Feast of St. Francis on Wednesday. The U.S. Supreme Court's new term begins today. Major cases on the docket include... Gun rights, the power of federal agencies, social media regulation, and electoral districts drawn by Republican state lawmakers. The justices are also considering taking up a dispute over access to the abortion drug Mifepristone. California Governor Gavin Newsom is expected to appoint the pro-abortion Emily's List president, LaFonza Butler, to fill the seat of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein. According to Politico, the appointment will come sometime today. The longest-serving female U.S. Senator Feinstein died Thursday at the age of 90. 
General Motors has laid off more than 160 union workers at two plants in Ohio as the United Auto Workers strike continues to grow. Mark Mayfield reports. GM laid off 130 workers at its Parma Metal Center just outside Cleveland and another 34 at its Marion Metal Center an hour north of Columbus. GM said in a statement that beginning today, a portion of the two plants won't have any work available and that the laid off workers aren't expected to return until the strike is over. The layoffs come as the UAW expands its strike to more plants. I'm Mark Mayfield. Temperature records that have stood for more than a century in the middle of the U.S. could fall this week. Forecasters say a swath of the Midwest could see afternoon highs 10 to 20 degrees warmer than average. That means highs well into the 80s and even near 90, threatening daily records from the 1800s. And the field is set for the MLB playoffs. The action begins tomorrow when eight teams take the diamond for the best of three wild card round. In the American League, it'll be the Tampa Bay Rays and the Texas Rangers, as well as the Toronto Blue Jays and the Minnesota Twins. On the National League side, the Milwaukee Brewers will take on the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Miami Marlins will face the Philadelphia Phillies. Okay, so there'll be plenty of time to talk baseball here later in the hour mm-hmm. when we talk to Adam Adam Wright from Roadmap to Heaven, with whom yeah. we had a gentleman's wager on the last Reds and Cardinals series. Uh, but I did go back. I finally had a chance uh, earlier this morning to watch the last uh, couple innings of the baseball career of Miguel Cabrera at Detroit. Oh, did you see any of it? No, no, I didn't. I was okay. watching the last at-bat for Adam Wainwright because okay. I was watching the Reds game, sadly. So um, he has been DHing for a while, but they put him out uh, in you know the end of the game and let him be on first base and all by himself on the field, so the whole crowd could just, like go up. I'm like tearing up even thinking right. about this. And then uh, the first out of the inning is a ground ball straight to him at first base. He takes it unassisted and steps on the bag, and the crowd just explodes, and they take him out. <laughs> So, like, gets to go <laughs> back on the field on... one more time and have nice. a moment. It was Adam, cool. Adam Wainwright ended his career with a strikeout. Like, he, he struck out at bat. Joey Votto, well, we don't know if it's the end of his career, the end of his Reds career at all at this point, but he, he got thrown out of closed the game. <laughs> it by being thrown out of the game from the dugout Yelling at an you know, umpire about balls and strikes. We'll talk about this more with Adam, but uh, Joey Votto getting thrown out against the Cardinals actually is a really kind of poetic way to end if this is how it ends. But I hope it doesn't end, honestly. We'll see. But we'll see. I was kind of ups- I was I was a little upset. Well, we'll follow it forward. You don't have any, like, Taylor Swift news? Did she play football yesterday? Oh, she was there, Matt. I was... I don't even know. I avoided. I can't believe you brought it up because I was like going to make that my final story here, and then I thought I'm I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be nice to Matt and not give him the Taylor Swift update with the Kansas City Chiefs. But since you brought it up, Matt, yes, she was there. All right. I'm just gonna let that. Just let let it sit there. Blank space. Yeah. Just. All right. Matt, Tommy now joining us. No, from... no, 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 no. Hold on. I am so impressed with how many Taylor Swift songs you know. They're, it's like I'm so impressed. It's like an assault on the senses. Okay, now you can go to tea. Teresa Tamio now joining us from Italy, Italia, where she's been uh, soaking up 
the scenery and pondering pilgrimage ideas and doing all kinds of great things over there, but still managing to do some Ave Maria radio stuff as well. Teresa, yeah. I'm glad that you are able to connect with us during your sojourn as well. How you doing? Doing great. And uh, yeah, I mean, as long as you have the internet, you can do the radio program from anywhere, as we all know. We've been all over the world on cruise ships, which we'll be doing again in January from the Holy Land, from Italy, from Poland. So yeah, we are um, hanging out and we've got two pilgrimages coming up. And so that's why we're here. So we like to give ourselves some time to, uh, you know, relax a little bit beforehand. But you still, I still work every day doing the show. Good Lord willing, the creek don't rise, as I say. But one of the things we're talking about this week, and we mentioned this last week with um, both Doug Keck on Friday and Joan Lewis on Catholic Connection, has to do with the Synod, obviously, on Synodality, big news this week, uh, starting uh, all this month. And one of the things I wanted to mention is to be careful the types of news you're consuming, because everybody on whatever side of the aisle they're on, and we should all be in the same boat when we're Catholic, because we we shouldn't be calling ourselves liberal or conservative, we're Catholic, but... At uh, the end of the day, don't look for, and some of the church leaders have said this, huge changes on either side. I mean, this is a, a chance they're claiming, and I'm just quoting what um, one of the cardinals said, this is going to be about reflection and talking and getting to know more about each other and hearing each other out. Is the media go into this looking for something to happen, like approving something that they could never approve anyway, such as like female priests or something like that. So I think it's really important to stay tuned to the people uh, that are going to be covering it straightway. This is what the Church teaches. This is what the Simmons analogy is about. So that's just put some put, putting some advice out there from a media perspective. Well, it's great advice for so many reasons, uh, because when it comes to, to how this thing goes, I, there are a whole bunch of people who've got the narrative sort of already set before right. anything's happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've you've come from that world where people are like, all right, here's the story. Go get me a quote. <laughs> you know, that yeah, we can just exactly. Plug into this pre-written yeah. story. There's a lot of that that mm-hmm. goes on, but also I think too that there's uh, the whole doom scrolling culture of I just want to find the next bad story, and I actually, right. you know, this is one of the things that I think is a real temptation in the age of social media and the the clickbait culture and all that stuff is that sometimes if you're not careful, the devil will get you to want the bad thing to happen just so you can then say, see, I was right. I told you this was terrible. And I see, Mm -hmm. I see that thing spreading like poison, Teresa. I see all kinds of people who want this to go as badly as possible so they can say, ha, see, I was right. And that's a terrible place to be too. Uh, So, I mean, it is a very, Pray and fast, you know, right. and don't read too much because, to be honest, you can go down infinite rabbit holes with this stuff. And really, it's not about learning every single thing that happens in every single committee. It's about praying right. for Christ to do what he's promised to do, which is to hold up his church. Well, and I also think, too, in a couple of points, there are, there are groups in, in the Catholic world that, that call themselves Catholic but are just doomsday. I mean, all they talk about is, is it's the end of the world, it's the end of the church, run for your lives. And so they're looking for anything that's going to guarantee them more clicks. It's clickbait. If they could show, see, look at how negative, look at how bad, look at how crazy things are. Not that we don't have issues in the church, I'm not saying that, but they're almost just as bad as the secular media who come in and look for any little sign that the church is going to go totally woke and do this, that, and the other thing, which we know cannot happen because Christ promised that it wouldn't. So that's why it's really important, as you said, to pray, pray for all those who are involved. And, yeah, there are some people that are involved in this that makes you scratch your head, of course, but at the same time, this is a dialogue that's going on. And I do have a concern that they're trying to put, some people are trying to put a lot of things out there 
So eventually, obviously, they know deep down, if they know anything about the church, they can't change the doctrine, but they can try to play with it a little bit if they keep putting it out there and putting it out there. I'm concerned about that, but at the same time, I trust God. I trust what he says in Matthew 16, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You you are Peter, and on this rock I built my church. So I think we have to stay focused and pray, and just remember Christ is never going to abandon the church and let her, you know, go crazy, because... It's his church. So just some things to keep in mind. We're going to be covering it a lot on Catholic Connection. Father Mitch Pacwa will be back on talking about it again this week, Joe Lewis, and a few others. But we've got great news sources on your show, my show, uh, Raymond Arroyo's show, EW10 News Nightly, The Register. There's all kinds of great resources. So follow those and pray, right, and keep focused. And I would say, too, that, you know, even though we've got lots of different people putting out lots of different information, I don't think it's spiritually healthy to spend 24-7 of your life no. digging through this stuff. I don't think it's healthy, no, uh, right? It's I mean, why—I mean, even you have a news background and a career in this stuff, and you know you got to walk away sometimes, right? you got to walk away from absolutely. it and go, like, play yep. in the yard. And I just would encourage mm-hmm. people that don't let your FOMO— cause you spiritual damage because you feel like you just have to just scroll and scroll and scroll and watch every podcast and and read every news story sometimes you got to walk away right and i think that's the only thing too yep balance all about balance doesn't mean you shouldn't be informed and and keep in touch with what's going on but yeah it can't consume you and it can very easily consume you you sit down and you're following things on facebook or checking out this or that You'd be surprised how quickly the hours go by, right? You get locked in a headspace, mm-hmm. and you start becoming suspicious of everybody, and it's just, everything. It's it's a it's a dangerous path. So let's pray together. Yep. Let's fast together. Let's see together, as that's what the word said it means. <laughs> and uh, let's yep. let's uh, trust Christ. Um, that Amen. What's going on, Teresa Tomio? Thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. You too. God bless. Ciao, ciao. Bye bye. I'm probably the only. Uh, post on any broadcasting platform who would tell you that sometimes you've got to turn me off and go get some perspective, but I'm happy to say that. I'm more interested in your soul than your ears, just so you know. We're back right after this with headlines. It's 16 past. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Proclaiming the faith 
changing lives. The year was 2013. EWTN News Nightly launches from Washington, D.C., bringing news and analysis from a Catholic perspective to TV viewers and radio listeners worldwide. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. Past. Here's Anna with headlines. After, after putting forth a bill to avert a government shutdown that Democrats could support, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he is not concerned about efforts to oust him as Speaker. Pope Francis asked for special prayers for the people of Armenia in the disputed Artsakh region, which has been under siege by Azerbaijani forces. And the Holy Father on Saturday presided over a consistory to create 21 new cardinals. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show, meaning we got another newscast coming up about 11 minutes from now. It's the Feast of the Guardian Angels, and some of you on the live stream have been sharing some Guardian Angel stories. Uh, you can check us out on video and join that chat by going to sunrisemorningshow.com and clicking on the show notes. Uh, you know, I think about the Guardian Angels, well, a lot, but not as much as I probably should. They th- probably think about me a lot more than I think about them. Actually, that's an easy... Uh, it's an easy thing to calculate. Uh, yeah. But um, I, I was thinking, pray to my kids' guardian angels more than I pray to my own, I think. That's that's because you're a mom. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking yeah. it'll be interesting in the long view of eternity to see just how many times the guardian angels were uh, involved in a situation. Oh, because, my you know, gosh, I know. You sometimes get, like, the stories of, like, the wild thing. And, and that ten, tends to be the kind of things that people share. It's like, oh, this thing happened, and it was, like, weird and wild or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in, the, like— you know what? Maybe I shouldn't tweet this. Like, you know, how many times is the guardian angel Has in there just being like, hey, buddy. Low whisper in your ear. Walk away. Just get away. Get away. Get away walk from away. social media. Or, uh, you know what? Put down the put down the donut. Put down the donut. Hey, man, you don't put need a refill. Put down the ducky. You do not do need that Do you remember that episode from Sesame Street? Put down I, the ducky. I don't know if or I remember. Bert and Ernie. No. Okay. Maybe so. My childhood is a bit of a foggy memory. (laughs) I think this is like my whole life. Last week is a foggy memory. My guardian angel (laughs) has actually protected me from remembering remembering most of my elementary (laughs) middle school experiences. Guardian angels, be with us today. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Dearest Jesus, teach me yourself to be silent. Abide in me as you do in the tabernacle, for my soul thirsts for this grace. 
Your loved presence guards my soul and keeps in check my thoughts, my words, my acts. Stay in my heart, dear Jesus, and transform it through love, humility, penance, and silence. Silence will help me to become more and more true, and this is sometimes more difficult than it seems. Love, patience, gentleness, humility, silence. Give me all these, dear Jesus, and make me holy insofar as you wish. Use me for souls, for your loved missions and missionaries. Use me in your own interests, for your greater glory, and let all be done and suffered in silence in the chapel of my little soul. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Sister Patricia Jean, Sister of St. Joseph the Worker in Walton, Kentucky. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this feast of our guardian angels. Pray for us. Brennan Hodge back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is good to have you. Now, the first global assembly for the Synod on Synodality is getting underway this week on the Feast of St. Francis. Um, There was a lot that led up to this point that, that we are finding ourselves in the Church. Can you remind us of the whole process for the Synod on Synodality? Yes. Uh, a more standard synodal process, uh, because we do have synods of bishops to address various topics relatively frequently, every couple of years. Uh, everyone probably remembers the Amazon Synod, but there have been synods on the family, on youth, etc. So normally in one of these synods, there is a working document which is put together by authorities uh, relating to the topic which the synod is supposed to discuss, and that working document will state what issues the synod is supposed to address, and then the members of the Synod will get together and discuss those topics and come up with a set of insights for the Church, which will then be reported out in their report to the Pope. The Pope will read that, and then he will write a synthesis document based on his reaction to their thoughts. In this Synod on Synodality, there was a very different process, where the direction from the Vatican office for the Synod on Synodality was that there should be a series of synodal meetings starting at the very most basic level, so in individual parishes all over the world, and that these meetings and parishes would collect what people had to say about synodality in the Church, and then they would roll that up and report it to dioceses, and then the diocese would roll this up and report it to regions, and the regions would roll it up and report to national bishops' conferences, and the national bishops' conferences would roll it up and report to continental assemblies, and then it's finally the synthesis of those continental assemblies which is being discussed here in the global session. But that creates a really significant challenge, because as anyone who's played a game of telephone knows, when (laughs) you pass word from one person to another, things get a little bit mixed up. And another thing is, if if you think about ever being in a big meeting where people talk even just for an hour, what people get out of that meeting, what they say the key topics of discussion were, really varies a lot based on the interest of the person doing the reporting. And here we had that happen in layer after layer where 
first we had the people reporting on what was said in parishes and then people reporting on what was said in dioceses and on up. And so there were kind of a lot of opportunities here for the message to change based on the interpretations of the people who were doing the synthesizing. Now, that said, which is a great way to kind of lead us into this, um, you did a bunch of textual analysis, and we had a bunch of conversations on the morning show as as all of these documents were, were starting to come out and, and were being submitted to Rome to, to create that working document that is going to be used this month in the, the global assembly. Um, but... When you looked at the global documents, those that were available in English anyway, what did you find in terms of all of the various priorities around the world? So one of the things we found was that there was a real difference in priorities you could see based on the conditions people were facing in different parts of the world. So, for instance, if you focus on words centering around poverty and people in need, um, this was discussed about 10 times more in countries like Zimbabwe, Malaysia, the Philippines, and South Africa than it was in documents from Germany, uh, the U.S., and indeed the global document that was put together by the Vatican. So countries where there is really widespread poverty, where there's war and disruption, there was a lot more discussion of how people should be dealing with instability. Uh, Another thing that really stuck out was how people talked about Uh, kind of marriage and family issues. The words family and marriage were discussed a lot more, and even words like divorce and remarriage in documents from what you might call the developing world, from Zimbabwe, the Philippines, South Africa, and actually a lot less in affluent countries where you saw a lot more discussion of LGBT issues and the place of women in the church. So there were clearly some very different priorities that different parts of the world we're bringing into this discussion. So then, Brendan, what is going to be the challenge in this month of meetings in the Global Assembly? So as they put the Global Assembly together, it's still going to be a pretty big group. And uh, Father Barron actually had a really good explanation of how this works on a day-to-day basis. They're going to take this large synodal group of lay people and bishops and break them up into small discussion groups based on what language they speak. So that will mix people up a little bit. So, I mean, you'll have people who speak English from Nigeria sitting with people who speak English from Canada and the U.K. and the U.S., Mm. but you'll still have these language divisions, and each of these groups will then sit down and discuss the topics in the global working document. So there may be some very different discussions going on according to different language breakouts there. And then those different language groups will report out what they've experienced in their conversations, and then there will be an attempt to put together a single document with the outcomes from their discussions. And then there will be a whole other year in this whole process, so we don't even get any kind of like definitive results for another year beyond this. So it's going to be really interesting, uh, just all kinds of, of differences between this particular synod and the one that uh, the ones that we have had in the past in the church. You can go read Brendan's analyses of the documents over at PillarCatholic.com. Brendan, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. 
after putting forth a bill to avert a government shutdown that Democrats could support, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says he is not concerned about efforts to oust him as Speaker. He was speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, saying it's a personal issue with Congressman Matt Gates of Florida. McCarthy noted that Gates was one of the last holdouts during the vote in the House of Representatives for Speaker back in January. Gates announced yesterday that he plans to file a motion to have McCarthy removed as speaker, making good on a threat if a spending bill was passed with Democratic support. A GOP-sponsored 45-day stopgap bill passed in the House on Saturday with overwhelming Democratic support, which did avert a government shutdown. Pope Francis has asked for special prayers for the people of Armenia in the disputed Artsakh region, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, which has been under siege by Azerbaijani forces. Vatican News reports the Holy Father appealed for dialogue between the two. More than 100,000 people have fled Artsakh after an explosion near the de facto capital of the region, which killed at least 170 people. Pope Francis said, quote, I renew my call for dialogue between Azerbaijan and Armenia, hoping that the talks between the parties with the support of the international community will favor a lasting agreement that will put an end to the humanitarian crisis, end quote. Also during his Angelus address, the Holy Father invited the faithful to pray the rosary in this month dedicated to the Holy Rosary for a number of special intentions. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni has more. Noting that October is... Apparently that is not going to work, but he asked for prayers for peace in Ukraine and for the Synod on Synodality, which begins on Wednesday. In other news, student loan payments are back. Payments officially went back into effect yesterday after an over three-year pause brought on by the COVID pandemic. As many as a hundred as many as 40 million Americans are now back paying the loans despite constant pushback from the Biden administration. The Supreme Court blocked a policy back in June that would have forgiven $20,000 in student debt for many borrowers. The U.S. Supreme Court, meanwhile, begins its new term today. Major cases on the court's docket include those involving gun rights, the power of federal agencies, social media regulations, and electoral districts drawn by Republican state lawmakers. The justices are also considering taking up a dispute over access to the abortion drug Mifepristone. California Governor Gavin Newsom is expected to appoint pro-abortion EMILY's List President LaFonza Butler to fill the seat of the late Senator Dianne Feinstein. Mark Mayfield has the story. According to Politico, the appointment will come Monday, and Newsom is making his appointment without putting limitations or preconditions on Butler running for the seat next year. The longest-serving female U.S. Senator Feinstein died Thursday at the age of 90. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Archdiocese of Baltimore is filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy reorganization. The filing comes in response to a new law that went into effect yesterday in Maryland, which lifts the statute of limitations for civil lawsuits related to child sexual abuse. Baltimore Archbishop William Lorry tells the Catholic Review he expects many lawsuits to be filed against the archdiocese. He added, 
A reorganization would assure equitable settlements to victim survivors, while at the same time sustaining the ministries of the archdiocese and its parishes, schools, and charities. Temperature records that have stood for more than a century in the middle of the United States could be falling this week. Forecasters say a swath of the Midwest could see afternoon highs 10 to 20 degrees warmer than average. That means that highs well into the 80s and even near 90 are threatening daily records from the 1800s. Highs are usually in the 60s and lower 70s. That's the news. It's 35 minutes. Pat. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Baltimore Catechism asks, what is sanctifying grace? Sanctifying grace is that grace which makes us holy and pleasing to God. When God looks upon us, he recognizes that, well, we are sinners, that we are needing of him, we are without him, and so he gives us this special grace called sanctifying grace. It makes us holy so that we can be like God. In the beginning, we were made in the image and the likeness of God, and sanctifying grace not only restores that image within us, it actually now restores the Christ within us as well. It makes us pleasing to God, and so just as he looked upon his son saying, here he is in whom I am well pleased, so now he can look upon his daughters and his sons and say, here are my children in whom I am well pleased. Sanctifying grace, it purifies us and makes us one with God so that we may enjoy his presence forever. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I want to put out some affiliate congratulations uh, to a couple members of the EWTN radio family. Our Lady of Perpetual Help Radio in Essex Junction, Vermont. They are having their sixth year anniversary of being connected with the affiliate family. Also, Our Lady of Mount Carmel Radio in Pittsburgh, Kansas. That's uh, nine years for them. So congratulations to Donna and Father Bob in Kansas from your friends at the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, now... Our friendship with another affiliate group has, you know, gone through some tensions and strains, but I feel like we've come out on the other side stronger, and that would be our friends in the Covenant Network, where Adam Wright hosts Roadmap to Heaven, which goes on the air after the Sunrise Morning Show on weekdays there across the Covenant Network. And Adam, whew, this is a tough conversation. I've been preparing for it all morning, but how are you? I am doing great this morning, Matt. All of St. Louis had a fantastic weekend, undefeated yeah. in October. I, 
I know you did. You had you were completely undefeated in October, and you'll be watching the playoffs from home, much like us in Cincinnati. <laughs> but we put a, a wager out at your suggestion, and I took you up on it because I thought things would turn out differently. Uh, but the goal was for us to beat you, our Reds, to beat your Cardinals in the last series of the season. You guys took it from us, and so you'll be getting some Skyline Chili from Anna Mitchell and myself. Uh, I, I hope you enjoy it. I, I think we will. The weather's just starting to turn to cool fall weather. The leaves are turning here, and I can think of nothing better than some tasty chili sweetened with the knowledge that my Cardinals beat your Reds in the head-to-head play this season. And I have to say it, that this year you were the better team. Just going to let that that's, hang out. That's very me. humbling of you, Matt. I, I, I'm happy to hear you say that. And I just want you to know that red is the color of our Cardinals. So if you ever want to make that leap from being a Reds fan to a Cardinals fan, <laughs> That's a bridge too far, man. Already ready a bridge to go. We'll, we'll welcome you. You know, it's been an interesting and an emotional year. And there's so many things that can be talked about here because, you know, you and I, I mean, if there's one thing that can be said about the universal Catholic Church, it's that it brings people together from all kinds of different backgrounds. I mean, where else could a Cardinals fan and a Reds fan both go to Mass at the same you know, location, right? I mean, this is this is the extraordinary nature of the Universal Church. But there have been so many emotional um, aspects of the season, of course, over the weekend. Uh, you know, legendary knuckleballer Tim Wakefield passed away um, in his late 50s from cancer. Uh, and this is, a you know, something that sort of rocked the Red Sox family. An emotional weekend in Detroit saying goodbye to Miguel Cabrera. Uh, which even I'm not even a Detroit person, and I got emotional with that. Of course, you all have had a string of these in St. Louis. We've we don't know if we've said goodbye to Joey Votto in Cincinnati, but you've had to say goodbye successively to Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, and this weekend Adam Wainwright. I mean, this is some emotional stuff you guys have been going through in St. Louis. Yeah, you know, I was really shocked that Adam Wainwright didn't retire at the end of last year when he after he set the battery record with Yadier Molina, uh, but he wanted that 200th win, and it looked bleak this season, Matt. I, didn't, I, I was starting to doubt whether or not it would be possible, but to see him get that 200th win, and then for Cardinal Nation to see him get one last at bat, he was probably one of our best hitting pitchers in the last 10, 20 years. Uh, it, it's really something. And the, the way they sent him out, you know, he's a country music singer. They had him give a concert the other night after the game. They gave him all sorts of uh, goodies to say thank you. And, and it, you know, we fans in St. Louis, we get really emotional. And there were a lot of tears of joy, and a lot of tears of sadness saying goodbye to Adam Wainwright this weekend. Well, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, I can't help but think and I don't want to go too far into the synod stuff that's dominating all the news and all the questions of, you know, how people are going to be, uh, you know, trying to listen to some of the concerns that have been raised by parishes, parishes and dioceses and regions and continents and all of that. Uh, but it was interesting. I can't help but think about baseball whenever this kind of stuff comes up, uh, because baseball put it out there and sort of listened to the fans. And this year, all kinds of weird stuff changed. And I was... There's some of it that I really don't like and some of it that I really do like. <laughs> I do like they banned the shift. I do like if you bring in a relief pitcher, he's got to face three batters. I, I, uh, I'm still jury out on the pitch clock. Uh, but, you know, it's still baseball. And, you know, it is interesting to me to see those parallels. Uh, I wonder if you had anything from the changes in baseball this year that you liked or didn't like uh, or, or if you were just kind of like just rolling with it. Well, you know, I, I'm still adjusting to the changes. I'm a bit of a purist, so I, I'm, Same I'm here. 
you know, I, I'm, I'm the jury's still out for me on a lot of that. But here, here's the lesson for us this season from the Cardinals going into this year. Our management, our front office said, "Hey, we've got a great team put together. It's going to be a good team." And everybody was saying, "Are you sure about that? Because the the pitching doesn't look that great this year." And we finished seventy-one and ninety-one with a you know only forty-three percent of our games did we win, because no one along the line said, "Hey, you know that plan we had wasn't working out so well. We we maybe want to change." And you know, I, I told our listeners a lesson for us in the spiritual life is. It's not our plan. It's God's plan that matters, and especially when our plan is failing, we should have the humility to say, hey, this isn't working out. Maybe we ought to do what uh, somebody's telling us to do here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, what's interesting, too, uh, you know, watching some of these, uh, you know, mega players, uh, I mean, names like Pujols and Molina and Votto and Wainwright have dominated the National League Central for all these years. And, you know, it's it's something that, you know, you have to think about as a parent, something you have to think about as a person in the church, something you have to think about an apostle at work, something we've had to think about, you and I and a whole bunch of other people in, in Catholic media is, you know, how do you balance that question of... um long time experience and sort of knowing and feeling how things should go, the wisdom that comes with that experience, but also like leaving room for new voices, new faces who have that kind of new energy and enthusiasm and are, you know, maybe not as jaded. You know, that was one of the most exciting stories in the Reds, right, is all the rookies that we brought up this year. But, you know, in the church, there is always that balance of, you know, making sure that the old voices get heard, the new voices you know, bring their energy that you don't sacrifice the wisdom, but you don't crush the energy. I mean, there are just analogies after analogies to be had here. Exactly. You know, we were telling our listeners last week, uh, we, we had our, our fall fundraiser, and, you know, I, I said, Tony LaRusa, longtime manager of the Cardinals, won two World Series with the Cardinals, said, go out there and play a hard nine. And I said, that, that's such a great lesson for life. Don't worry about, you know, the, the extra innings. Worry about right now the, the nine innings you know you have to play and go out there and leave everything on the field. And uh, th- that's what I tell my kids. It's like do everything you can to be holy today. And don't worry about tomorrow, but, but live it out today. Well, you know the surest way to strike out is to think about the last at bat or the next at bat, <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to strike out. It's like... You know, could you make a more clear spiritual analogy? The easiest way to mess up is to focus on what you did before that was bad or focus on something you can't control yet. Now, yeah. there's just analogy after analogy. Uh, what do you got going on on Roadmap to Heaven today? Oh, we have, a, we have a great day today. We are talking about Eucharistic revival. We've got a, a wonderful woman here in St. Louis who's put together a Eucharistic miracles exhibit that's going from parish to parish, and it, it's a great opportunity for our listeners and then we're actually starting with uh, a series with Father Wade Menezes today. He was gracious enough to come on and talk with me a few weeks ago about what's in a name. And as my son's preparing for his confirmation this year and has to pick a new name, Father Wade's going to be breaking open all week uh, the importance of a name, not just your baptismal name, but your confirmation name and, and why they matter. No, that's great. Well, and it also, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity to talk about the saints who share your name, if that has happens to be the case for you. Of course, uh, you're named after the first person ever, so I don't know how you make those connections. I would just be careful about what you eat today. Yeah, well, so. let's just say this, Matt. My name literally means dirt. <laughs> that's true. 
You know, I've, Paul Lockman has been making Adam Wainwright jokes all morning since he saw Adam Wright on the calendar, you know, on the clock today. So uh, I'm sure that's never been said to you being a St. Louis person. Yeah, well, you know, I met him one time and I said, hey, you're Adam Wainwright. I'm Adam Wright. And he said, yeah, and I'm a pitcher for the Cardinals. What do you do? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not important. No, it is important, and we are so grateful to you and all the people at the Covenant Network for helping to uh, spread the word in that section of the country. We're very grateful you carry the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you, and have a great day on Roadmap to Heaven. You too, Matt, and uh, good job, Reds, on having a winning season this year. Hey, we'll see you next year. We'll see you in the spring. It is 12 till. We're back right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to the Holy Rosary. St. John Paul II called the Rosary his favorite prayer, in which we meditate with Mary upon the mysteries which she, as a mother, meditated on in her heart. The Rosary is one of the most cherished prayers of our Catholic faith. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosary beads, bracelets, boxes, pouches, and rings. Available at EWTNRC.com. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, Scott Hahn will be here. Join us, Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Stephanie Mann. Go read her excellent blog over at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Anna. Nice to talk to you again. It is nice to have you back, and we're continuing our series on the mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors by Father Henry Sebastian Bowden. And today we're going to be talking about another confessor, so someone who did not die a martyr, is not necessarily uh, beatified or canonized either, but but still right. very much consequential in the time of persecution of the church during the, the English Reformation. And today we are focusing on a man named George Gilbert, who formed what was known yes. as the Catholic 
Association. So what was the Catholic Association and how did Gilbert come to found it? George Gilbert uh, founded this association. It was a group of uh, the terms used are they were brave, young Catholic men of land and fortune. In other words, they had money mm-hmm. and they were part of English society who then dedicated themselves to maintaining the funds that the, pre- the missionary priests would need, uh, making sure that they had all the uh, accoutrements they needed, had horses, the right kind of clothing, and then led them around to these priests to the different uh, Catholic homes so that they could serve the, the recusant Catholics. This is in the this was formed in, in uh, the early 1580s. Uh, in 1581, it was approved actually by the Pope, Pope Clement the uh, uh, 13th, to do this, excuse me, Gregory the 13th uh, in 1580 on April 14th to do this work. And so their, their purpose was, again, to support the missionary priests in all these different ways. So as the missionary priests were encountering all these dangers from the pursuivants or those who were on the lookout for Catholic priests being in England, uh, and uh, trying to spread and, and maintain the Catholic faith, these young men were also in danger as they helped support those those priests. Yeah. And so it was a dangerous time. And then and all of a sudden, the, the interesting thing is just that date. It was approved in 1580. And then in 1581, as, as the Jesuits, again, started going to England as missionary priests, the English government realized the danger or thought this was the danger that they faced was these uh, missionary priests, especially because St. Edmund Campion uh, issued his great brag in which he says, this is why we're here. This is what we want to do. So they started to crack down and hunt for these priests in a more more organized way, just as this group had started organizing a way to get the priests around. So it, it came at a dangerous time indeed. Yeah, and we'll get more into that in in just a second. But first, tell us more about the life of George Gilbert. What do we know? Right. I thought this was interesting in the... uh, uh in Father Bowden's description of this Catholic association, particularly talking about George Gilbert, he said that he had a large fortune. And the interesting terms I thought he used, he said he was a Puritan by profession, but he followed in his youth the life of a gay cavalier. So Puritan (laughs) and cavalier, you don't usually associate together. You don't put those two together. (laughs) So he was, yeah. But I guess he was having, he was enjoying his life. Well, I guess maybe he thought he was one of the elects, so it didn't matter, right? Sure, <laughs> According sure. to Calvinist yeah. uh, doctrine. So he went abroad, and then he went to Rome. And as often happens, the beauty of the church, the the piety of Catholics that he saw attracted him to the Catholic Church. And he was actually reconciled by to the Catholic Church by uh, Father uh Parsons, who was one of the great Jesuit leaders and would be one of those who would organize on the continent all the ways that Catholic priests and laity would be formed uh, uh, at the different Jesuit and other colleges. And so then he returned to England and then he started this process of of, uh, devoting himself to the missionary priest with this this Catholic association uh, with papal approval. And Father Bowden uh, emphasizes that these members promise to live like the lives of the apostles. And, and mm-hmm. in fact, he uses, Father Bowden uses a verse from the Acts of the Apostles to say they, they had everything in common. They worked together. They helped the, sustain the church. And so they were uh, starting this process of, of helping the, the Catholic priests in 1581 through 1582 about until they had to leave England for the, because of the dangers that they were facing. 
Yeah. So what happens to George Gilbert in that time as they flee? He goes. To, he goes to actually to Rome, back to, back to Rome, and he becomes a student at the Venerable English College there in Rome, that where so many of the priests, missionaries, and and martyrs would die, uh, would graduate from and go to England. And he, uh, one of the things that Father Gil, Father Bowden mentions that's so important that Gilbert did was he started funding the frescoes that were that at one time they don't now, but illustrated the chapel of the English college in Rome that highlighted these, not only the past martyrs of England, like, uh, uh, well, like St. Thomas Beckett and those from earlier generations, but also these new Catholic martyrs who were suffering. And particularly one of those that's most opposite to to thinking about the work he'd been doing was a, a, and I have it on my blog spot for this entry, a uh, depiction of the martyrdoms of uh, Saints Edmund Campion and Alexander Bryant and Ralph Sherman Sherwin mm-hmm. on December 1st, 1581. And I think this may have been his greatest contribution to the whole cause of, of Catholicism in England because those frescoes were used when finally in the late 19th century, England could take pause and, and the diocese and, and the the authorities in England could look back and say, these are men and women, these Catholic martyrs, who should be honored, should be raised to the uh, honors of the altar and become blesseds and, and saints uh, in our church. And these frescoes were used as saying, see, there has been a, a, a pattern of veneration. They do have, a, people do have devotion to them. And so that was very important. So in a way, what he did as he was, not in that very active pursuit of of helping Catholic priests in England. What he did when he was in Rome before he died of a fever on October 6, 1583, was this process of of illustrating the the great martyrdoms that were taking place in his own age in England. This uh, fresco, the one that you you chose here, showing oh, yeah. Edmund Campion, is definitely not for the faint of heart uh, when you no. enlarge it. But wow, yeah, I can see how this would have uh, got people to sit up and take notice of what was going on there in England. We've been talking about George Gilbert, who was admitted to the Jesuits on his deathbed in 1583 for his great work in the church in England. And we've been talking about it with Stephanie Mann. Go read it in Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors. Go read her blog, supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.